Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, welcome to church this morning, and we're in a series that we've simply entitled Fruitful. How many of you like to eat fruit in the summer? How many of you like to eat fruit in the summer? Okay, now, this, is, this is a little question, see how many of you can relate to this. You may not relate. How many of you like to put a little chili on your fruit? Let me see. A little, what is it called? Tapicano or tapiconio or what? I don't know what it's called, but it's like some powder drugs or something we get from Mexico, and we put it on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody help me out with that? You know what that is? Tapicano. Tapakenyo or Tahin? Think I was like totally off on that one, totally off. Thank you, sir, for correcting me in my ignorance. I don't even know what I put on my fruit, but uh, but I know it's echo in Mexico. That's what I know, and it's good. But fruit. It's pretty amazing, and we find it in the Bible. Jesus is, is talking about fruit, and what we wanted to do is uh, we wanted to look at why Jesus said that it's so important that our life be fruitful. And so many people don't understand this or even know this, but you're actually created to be fruitful. Can I hear a good amen today? <coughs> Excuse me. You're created to be fruitful, but not only that, you're called to be fruitful. And this series that we've been talking about is taken from this verse, John chapter 15, verse 8. It says, by this, my father is glorified. That means magnified. He's magnified. He's honored. By this, my father is honored that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Can we say this verse together? Come on, let's say it. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. What a connection. And I love this connection that Jesus makes. He's saying, look, when you bear much fruit, guess what? God is honored. What a connection that he allows us to have. God is magnified when you bear, and he doesn't say even little fruit. He says that you bear, when you bear much fruit, people are going to make a connection between your life and God's life. And you know what I love about this is that this is the way God set it up. He set it up this way, that our lives can represent him on the earth. And that's what fruit is. Fruit is the evidence of that. When we, Jesus was talking about fruit, he was talking about a sign of spiritual health. You know, fruit is a sign of spiritual health. It's a sign you're in partnership with God. And so we've said that fruit, when Jesus was talking about fruit, the word fruit in the Greek, because Greek is the language of the New Testament, fruit means that your life would be effective, that it would be impactful, and, you know, that it would be profitable. I put on Facebook the other day, I don't mind hard work, I don't mind tedious work, but I do mind meaningless work. And I think so many of us at times are frustrated in life and it's just because we feel like we're not moving forward. We, don't, we're not, we, we lose sight of purpose. And in reality, God wants your life to be profitable. He wants you to know why you're here on the earth. And I can tell you one of the reasons why is so your life can be fruitful so people can look at your life and he can be glorified. And here's what we've said. Fruit is always the outward expression of the inward life. Fruit is always the outward expression of the inward life. In other words, fruit is the visible result of the invisible. You know, people always say, well, you know, what I do in my life, it's private. It's, and I understand that. But can I just tell you this, that our invisible life is seen visibly, and the Bible says, through fruit. 
Jesus actually said this in Matthew chapter 7, 16. He said this, you will know them by their what? By their fruit. You will know them by their fruit. And I think one of the things about fruit is that fruit's visible. Fruit doesn't lie. You know, my wife, we went to, um, we just bought a new house and we happened to live behind a Stater Brothers. But even greater, God allowed us to live right behind a Starbucks. Come on, somebody. Man, that's Jesus juice right there. I mean, Starbucks, they got the, oh man, I don't want to get distracted this morning. But, um, and she went and she bought this beautiful melon. She brought it home. She's like, I got a melon. And I think it was a cantaloupe. And, 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 uh, and she was just so excited. She was so excited about it. And so she had it there. She put it where we always put the fruit. And then the next day she, you know, I was like, honey, I think that melon stinks. Like I, I just, it just, she goes, well, I think it's ripe. It's ripe. And so she got all excited. And then when she picked it up, she looked at it and it had spots where it had been rotten. And see, when you look at a fruit, the fruit doesn't lie. If it's rotten, Jesus says you'll know them by the fruit. Because fruit is always the visible of the invisible. When there's no life anymore, guess what? Things rot. And so he was saying, I want your life to be connected to the vine, which I am, and you are the branch, and your life's going to bear much Fruit. Fruit always shows the results. And so Jesus tells us, we've been talking about how do we do this? How do we bear much fruit? You know, John 15, 4 says, if you abide in me and I in you, this is Jesus talking, as the branch cannot bear fruit in itself. In other words, you can do a lot of things by yourself, but you can, you'll never do anything of significance, of value, especially eternal value without Jesus. And so he says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me and, and abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Come on, say, I am a branch. Say, I'm not the vine. You're not the vine. He's the vine, we are the branches. And the vine is what gives the resources to the branches. So he's the source and he resources me and I bear fruit. You know the word abide in the Greek literally means this, to dwell, to rest in God. Do you know that's what branches do? They just rest in the vine, they're connected. It actually means, has the connotation when you go home and you just dwell at home. That's what abiding, and really I like to say it this way, abiding is trusting in God. When I'm trusting in God and my finances, I'm abiding in him. And guess what? There'll be financial fruit. When I'm abiding in God, and today we sang about peace, abiding in peace. You know what? You're abiding in God. And so if you know anything about the Christian life, and if you'll just give me a moment, I'm just reviewing a little bit. See, I always thought the Christian life was an outside-in type of life. But the Christian life is actually an inside-out type of life. And, and, and I, I didn't know this growing up. And see, religion says change the outward and that'll change the inward. But God says through my grace, I'll change your inward and that'll change the outward. We're trying to change people's behavior before we change what they believe. But here's the reality. If we will love people, it will change and because they will understand that they belong and it changes people's inside. You cannot change from the outside in. You cannot keep enough rules. You can't be holy enough. But here's what happens. When God changes you from within and gives you his righteousness, his grace, his holiness, then you can walk in holiness. Why? Because 
Because the Christian life is from the inside out. I like to say it this way. He first works in us so he can work through us. That's, that's a life principle. And, and, and whenever God's going to use your life mightily, guess what he's going to do? He's going to work in you so he can work through you. Because if he doesn't work in you, then you'll have nothing to give anybody else. You can't give somebody what you don't have. So what God does is, remember, kind of like what we said today during the offering, he blesses you first. Why? So you can be a blessing. Because you can't give if you don't have. Can, come on, can I hear a good amen today? And so what he does so, he can, so we can be fruitful is he gives us his spirit. His spirit is on the inside of us, his Holy Spirit. It's not a mini-me Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And that is already inside of you. Can you say this with me? Say, he's inside of me. He's inside of me. And guess what? That Holy Spirit that's inside of you that God has already invested in you is going to produce fruit in your life. It's going to produce fruit. So if we'll dwell in him, there's fruit that's going to be produced. And Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 tells us what this fruit is. It says, but the fruit of the spirit. Now that word fruit right there in the Greek means this, the acts and the deeds. So I could read it this way, but the acts and the deeds of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, look at the fruit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Here's, here's, here's the reality, is that if you look at these, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, you know what you're going to find? This is how God operates. This is how God operates. And last week we went to the first one. When I operate in love, I'm operating in the Spirit of God. Because God is love. And then there's a whole list of the works of the flesh. And one of them is hatred. Do you know love is the agape love that's inside of you? Why is it inside of you already? Because his spirit is inside of you. Love means this, goodwill. Do you know what hatred means? Hatred means ill will. And so God puts in him, in you his spirit. And one of the fruits that's going to come out of there is love. And today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the next fruit of the spirit is joy. Everybody say that with me. Say joy. And what I'm going to do over the next couple of weeks, some of these will combine and some I'm just going to do a whole Sunday on. I think joy needs a whole Sunday. But the next couple of weeks, we're going to go through these because God has put this in you. Why? So you can bear much fruit so he can be glorified. And this is how God operates. Do you know that God operates through joy? I think that's surprising to, to some people. As a child of God, when you have God's spirit, you have joy. And here's what's interesting. So many people are looking for it. They're looking for something that God has already given them. They're trying to attain something that God has already put inside of them. Remember the movie Dumb and Dumber? You remember that when they're carrying the suitcase with millions of dollars in it and they start to fight, they're fighting over gloves and yet they have a million dollar suitcase. And what happens is they're fighting, somebody accidentally throws the suitcase that opens and hallelujah, there it is. There's all the money. And here they're walking around thinking they're broke, but inside that suitcase is all the money that they need. And I think that's sometimes as Christians, that's how we live. We're looking for something that we already have. We're looking for something that's already inside us, but we're looking outside. 
And it can, it, can, it can be tough. And nobody ever told me this stuff. It's interesting because as I study this, I'm like, man, nobody told me this in church. I think I would have connected with God sooner if I would have understand how good he was. But here's the reality. As a child of God, you have joy. You know, I wasn't always uh, living for God. My, my dad was a pastor, and so I was a PK, and I, you know, I had been to a lot of churches. And what was interesting, as an unbeliever, you have a different perspective. And I would go to church, and listen, even as an unbeliever, I would make this connection. I would look at church people, and I would look at them and go, wow, this is how God must be, even as an unbeliever. And here's what I didn't like. There were some churches I went, it was like going to a funeral service. There was no joy. I mean, no joy at all. And how many of us like going to funerals? Have you ever call your friend up like, hey, let's go to Starbucks. Let's visit a couple funerals. Just hang out, see what's going on. We don't go to, I mean, how many of you ever like, so happy to go to a funeral? No, nobody's happy to go. But that was the church that I experienced with because the people inside had no joy. And I'm like, wow, if these people have no joy, this God must be really unhappy and really mad. And you want me to join this? I'm having more fun in the world smoking my reefer than... But see, what I didn't know is that I was getting high, but God was the most high. And until I got him in my life, but see, I saw a bunch of angry, boring Christian people, and I thought that's what God was like. But can I tell you, if there was some joy in the place, I think they never read the scripture that says, rejoice in the Lord always. I don't think they ever read that scripture. Rejoice in the Lord. We're supposed to rejoice in the Lord. That's why when you come in here and you see the lights and all that, you're like, well, yeah, what's going on? We're celebrating the presence of God because in his presence, the Bible says there's joy. There's joy. Some of you didn't know you can clap in church. Go ahead. You can clap. It's all right. Some of you are like, I don't want to try clapping. in You can clap. The Bible says we can shout. Come on, somebody. It's not just going to a football game or some sports game where we throw our hands up and wave them like we just don't care and shout for a little pigskin. We can come in here and shout and have joy because of whose we are and who we love. Come on, somebody. And I got to tell you, that's why we named the church Passion Life Church, full of joy, right? Passion Life Church, not Boring Life Church. And I'm sorry, I'm just sorry. Because sometimes I, I, I and I, I, when God spoke to me about building a church and calling me to build a church, I'm like, God, okay, you know my personality. You know I like to laugh. And, God, you're going to have to help me because I know Christians that do not like to laugh. They're always about sin and judgment, and, you know. And I, I'm so joyful. <laughs> well, if you are, could you let your face know? But even as an unbeliever. I used to see people who were unhappy. And I thought, wow, man, if this is the God that, man, can you imagine heaven with no joy? But you know what? That's not God. The Bible says that in his presence is a fullness of joy. You know, there's scriptures that tell me that there's supposed to be joy overflowing from my life. Not just joy for me, but joy that's sprinkling out like you. Like, have you ever seen Gallagher when he gets that, that melon, right? And he goes, Psh, 
and it all goes under the crowd. Ah! That's supposed to be like, man, when we come in as Christians, they're supposed to be joy. And people are like, they're mad. And then they come in and they see you. Guess what? And they see joy. The Bible says that they can glorify your father in heaven. Joy is a work of the spirit that's inside of you that when it's operating in your life, people will see that and glorify God. I want to tell you today, God operates through joy. And I think it's funny because this whole week I wasn't feeling good. I felt no joy. I was coughing. I must have had like, I don't know, 40 pounds of, of snot inside me that has come out. I'm just, I think I lost like four pounds. I, I, but he, he, here's the thing. To stand up here today, my, my uh, father-in-law and my, my, uh, my mother-in-law are here from El Paso, Texas. And they're, they're sitting right there. And uh, they came to visit. And he asked me, how are you doing? I said, well, I'm alive today. That's a good thing. But I thought, it's funny how you come in, your body doesn't feel like it needs to feel. But here's the reality I have joy. And God wants me to speak today about joy when I'm not feeling it. But what we're going to do today is we're going to look at four ways that joy works because you already have it on the inside of you. So let's define it. Let's define joy. What does it mean in the Greek language when they wrote it? Let's define it. And this is just kind of my definition. Joy, I looked at the Greek words. Joy is a gladness sensed in your soul. Now you can feel joy. That's not always a feeling, but you can feel it, right? It's a joy. It's a gladness sensed in your soul that is produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Jesus. And that's a great definition of joy. Can I read it again? Because it gave me joy when I read it. Joy is gladness sensed in your soul. This is produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Jesus. Now, here's number one, how joy works. Number one, we have to know this. Joy is a divine work. What does that mean? You cannot get joy from anyone else but God. You cannot. See, I wish somebody would have told me this. Because growing up as an unbeliever, my friends told me how they thought I could get joy. They told me all the things that the world would say. Do you know that joy is mentioned 330 times in the Bible? And the world is looking for it, and yet you have it? But here's the thing, and here's what we need to know even as Christians, because I think even sometimes as Christians, we're looking for joy in all the wrong places. But you need to know that joy is actually a work of the Holy Spirit. It cannot be reproduced by anything or anyone else. Come on, somebody. We need, we need to know that today. You can not receive true, authentic joy from anyone else or anything else but God. Here's the thing about joy. Joy can actually be present in unhappy times. It's actually present in unhappy times. And that's why I put it's a divine origin. People were looking for it. I couldn't find it. But let me say it this way. Joy is a result of God's spirit working in you. Joy is the result of God's spirit working in you. In you. Here's number two, how joy works. True joy comes from an inward satisfaction, not an outward gratification. 
Whoo, let me say that again. True joy comes from God's spirit, right? But it comes from God's spirit from an inward satisfaction, not an outward gratification. Here's why I call this the joy trap. People are looking for joy in things, in people, right? They accumulate things. Oh, man, Pastor Phil, man, when I get that promotion, I'm going to have joy. Oh, Pastor Phil, when I get that motorcycle, midlife crisis, oh, I'm going to be so excited. Oh, Pastor Phil, I'm going to have joy. You know, when, you know when, I, when I get that new car, I'm going to have joy. Oh, Pastor Phil, when I get that new wife, I'm going to have joy. People think that. Three marriages later, and they still don't have joy. Come on, I love people. I know people that have been divorced three times. But this is what I'm saying. I'm telling you that there's a trap that we keep going around like that little hamster wheel that we think that somehow something, someone is going to give us joy. But joy is only comes from the spirit of God. And it will, you cannot get it from the outside. It only comes from within. Come on, somebody. Now, here's the thing about happiness. Happiness is always based on what's happening. Joy is consistent with the character of God always. Now, happiness comes from outward gratification. I, it's a, God wants us to be happy. There's certain things that make me happy. Come on, yogurt land. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Do you know I went to yogurt land and you know what she told me? She said you could get as much as you want for $5 in America. I was like, is this heaven? Did I die and go to heaven? No, I'm in yogurt land. There's things that make me happy. They just added a new vanilla. It's not yogurt. It's ice cream. At yogurt land. It's beautiful. I'm like, you guys are so innovative because it says yogurt land, but you're secretly serving ice cream. This is America. And I get the ice cream. But I promised I wouldn't tell anyone. It makes me happy. Vanilla ice cream makes me. I know some of you are chocolate. That's okay. I'm vanilla. I'm a berry boy. I like my vanilla with berries on top. Right? Makes me happy. Cool weather makes me happy. Having the air conditioner on at home makes me happy. It makes my wife unhappy. But thank God we have joy. But can I just tell you this? Happiness comes from outward gratification. Now, let me, let me, let me just give you some contrast, the differences between joy and happiness, because I want to bring some truth. You know, the Bible says truth sets us free. I think even as Christians sometimes, we don't, we don't know the difference. See, happiness is always external. It's always external. And when you live for happiness, your life is like a roller coaster because your life is dependent on whether things are going good or whether they're not going good. It's dependent on uh, circumstances. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, right? You, any of us have those, you have those friends who are bitter, angry. Sometimes they're up, sometimes you're down. You want to hang out with somebody, you're like, eh, I ain't going to call them. Right? Up, why? Because their mood and their life is determined by something that external, it's, listen, an external is always changing. It's always changing. 
And here's the reality. When you live your life just on external things, you'll never be fruitful. You'll never be fruitful. External things are always changing. But here's the difference. See, happiness is external. Watch this. But here's the difference. Joy is always internal. It's always internal. It's always internal. When I'm living for happiness, I'm living an outside in life. When I'm living a joyful life, I'm living an inside out life. What's inside of me is based on the character of Jesus who is unchanging, immovable, no matter how big the storm, no matter how big the waves, no matter what's going on externally, internally, I have joy. So this is why you see people up, down, up, down. But us as Christians, we have joy. And let me just tell you this. When you live an external life, you allow the external. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Things happen externally that affect my life. They affect my life. But can I just tell you this? When you live just as things come and it's external, you can actually start to have a victim mentality. Oh, I'm just a victim of my circumstance. Oh, this thing didn't work out. You know, it just didn't happen. Guess what? A joy-filled life is an inside-out type of life. So no matter what's happening to me, listen, externally, my world is going to be defined by internally, not externally. I don't care what they're saying on the news. I don't care who the president is. I don't care what's going on. It's not going to define my inner world because it's not going to change who Jesus is. It's not going to change. So that's where my faith is in an unchanging, unmovable Savior, not on friends, circumstances, and these things. Man, I would go cray-cray. You know, growing up in church, my mom used to always say this about joy. She would say, joy, she would say, the world can't give it to you, and the world can't take it away. Can I tell you why the world can't take away your joy? Because they never gave it to you in the first place. But see, we allow things to take away our joy because we're so externally focused. And can I just tell you, this is something in me that I'm learning. I've lived an external life, my whole everything, what's going on. And now here's what I've learned. Fruit comes from the inside out, not the outside in. Fruit comes from being connected to the vine and the branch, and then the fruit comes out. Fruit doesn't happen from the outside in. Fruit happens from the inside out. Come on, somebody. And so fruit is going to come out of here. Oh, my world may be going crazy, but here comes the fruit of joy. Watch out, because here comes my joy. Here comes my joy. Now, here's the thing about happiness. Happiness is by chance. Joy is by choice. The Bible tells us that you have a choice. God has made you with a free will. And he tells us, if you read in Galatians, he says, you choose whether you're going to walk by your flesh. We're a three-part being. You have a spirit. You have a soul and a body. This flesh, the Bible outlines what this flesh will do. This flesh, man, this flesh will hate. This flesh will fornicate. This flesh. And you have the decision whether you're going to walk by the flesh or you're going to walk by the spirit. Now watch. I have to choose See, when we have fruit, how does the Holy Spirit produce fruit, these qualities in us? It's not just up to the Holy Spirit. It's also up to you. Let me try this side over here. It's not just the Holy Spirit. It's up to you, too. Come on. Let me kick over a sacred cow. Well, isn't God just going to do everything? No. 
Because here's what people, and I hear this all the time. Well, God is sovereign. If God wants me to have joy, he'll have joy. Listen, Bubba, he already gave it to you. He already gave you the joy. But here's the thing. He also gave you a free will to choose the joy. But here's what we do. We go, well, if God wants me to have joy, he'll have joy. You know what that does? I, I, I have this conversation with people. People go like this. Well, then it just eliminates me of any responsibility. No, you have to make a choice. you got to make a choice to walk by the Spirit. And here's the great thing. When you choose joy, you're walking by the Spirit that God has already put inside of you. So when I choose joy, I know this is tough because some of you want me to say, when I choose judgment, then I'm walking by God. No, the Bible says when you choose joy, you're actually walking by His Spirit. And so I have to choose joy. You know, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, it says rejoice, what? In the Lord. I love this. Keep that scripture. Rejoice in the Lord. It's like, well, what? What did he say? And he knew we would ask that question. That's why he says, again, I say rejoice. I've learned something. When you read the Bible, whenever God repeats himself, he's really trying to make a point. And here's the reality. Rejoicing is a choice. You make a choice to rejoice. Now watch this. Look at this. Sometimes this is why it's so important when you read the Bible that you don't just read the Bible. Okay, today I'm going to read three chapters. I'm going to read three chapters. What did you learn? Nothing, but I read three chapters. What did the Lord say to you? I don't know, but I read three chapters. That's how a lot of people read the Bible. Now I think we should read the Bible all the way through. Don't get me wrong. But I read for quality, not quantity. So when I open up the Bible... I look and I allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me. Lord, what are you trying to say? And this is what stuck out, and that's why I highlighted it. Notice what it says. It does not say rejoice in how big your house is. Rejoice in your bank account. Rejoice that everything's going good. Rejoice that you passed that test. Here's what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. No matter what's going on, no matter what's happening in your life, whether it's good or bad, you've got to make a choice to rejoice. What? In the Lord. Everybody say that with me. In the Lord. That's why sometimes I think we have challenges worshiping. We come in and they're playing a fast song. We're like, I don't feel that. Well, here's what you got to do. You've got to make a choice to rejoice because we're rejoicing in the Lord, not what happened this morning, not what happened yesterday. Well, Pastor Phil, I lost my job. I understand. But the scripture doesn't say I'm supposed to rejoice because I have a job. The scripture says I'm supposed to rejoice in the Lord always because here's what happens. If you delight yourself in him, he'll open doors for you. Sometimes when people lose their jobs, it's a blessing in disguise. I've had people like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I lost my job again. Hey, listen, God is about jobs. There's a book in the Bible called Job. Come on, people. You say Job, I say Job. You say tomato, I say tomato. And it's funny because then we'll pray, and then God will open a door, and they'll get this job, and they're like, Pastor Phil, here's the reality. I knew I wanted to quit that job, and this job is a better job. It was a blessing in disguise. I'm like, I knew that. Why are you crying for? Why are you crying for? Right? But here's the reality that the joy is on the inside of us, but we're going to have to choose to rejoice no matter what the circumstance is. Choose to rejoice even in the tough times. It'll change who you are. You know, James talks about trials that come our way in James chapter one. Are you glad you came to church this morning? James chapter one, verse two says this, my brethren, watch this. 
Because this is a little crazy, this, this scripture. And I think we misinterpret this a lot. But I think I'm going to... I think that God is going to show us what this means today. He says in James chapter 1, he says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. So here we see three fruits of the Spirit. You see joy, you see faith, and you see patience. Look at verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Watch this. Why is it important that you be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing? Because that's bearing fruit, that when people look at your life, they glorify God. When you are complete, lacking nothing, guess what happens? God is honored and magnified. But the Bible tells me to count it joy when I fall into various trials. How many of you, and let's be honest, You've read the Bible, and there's a couple of pages you want to take out. This is one of those ones you want to go, love my enemies. I can't do that. Count it all joy? This is crazy. You know, as I read this, I felt like the Lord wanted me to look up this word count. What does it mean, count? Like, you know, you're counting your money. Count it all joy. You know, in the Greek, this word count actually means this, to lead to command with authority, to have authority over. Interesting. So here's what James was saying and the Holy Spirit was saying to us. Whenever there's a trial in my life, I need to let joy be an authority. I need to let joy lead. Because most of the times when trials come, what happens? Joy doesn't lead, depression leads. And we allow it to lead. And so he's saying here that when I am faced with a trial, I'm supposed to allow joy to lead. Watch. Why would you allow joy to lead when you're going through a trial? Because of what's happening. He says this. Know this. Let joy lead. Because when trials come, when you fall into trials and your faith is tested, watch what happens. He says this. Patience is standing up. So what happens is another fruit of the spirit kicks in. Can I just put it in my term, Phil Valdez translation? Count it joy, let joy lead. Because guess what? When you fall into trials and your faith is being tested, don't worry about it. Your faith has backup. His name's patience. And so when faith is tested, know this, he's got backup. And patience comes to uphold your faith to make sure that the promises of God happen in your life. This is why we can count it joy because of what's happening. Because what's happening is our faith has patience and the fruit of the spirit are all working together. I'm not supposed to have joy because I have trials. I hear people say that, oh, you know, Pastor Phil, I'm so joyful that I have trials. But what Bible are you reading? We're not supposed to be joyful because we have trials. We're supposed to be joyful in a trial because we're supposed to let joy rule and have joy because we got backup. I heard three amens on that. Thank you. And you know, you got backup. And you know what this shows me? That the fruit of the Spirit are working together to produce fruit. That even when you're going through a trial, even when your faith is tested, guess what? You're not going to fail. Can we say a good amen today? When faith is being tested, you got backup. I love the way the Passion Translation reads this. It's a new translation of the Bible, and it really goes with the, really, the Greek language. But look what it says about falling into trials. And it says, my fellow believers, 
when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is being tested, it stirs up a power with, here comes the backup. You ready? Here comes the backstreet. I mean, the backup boys. Ready? Here they come, right? It stirs up a power within you to endure all things. Verse four, and then as your endurance grows even stronger. See, now we don't like this scripture. I haven't ever met someone that says, I just love patience. I love it. Listen, come on. If our food is not hot in 30 seconds when we're in front of the microwave, we don't like, oh, good. This is working patience in me. (laughs) Who says that? But here's the reality. We need patience. Because the Bible says that we inherit the promises of God through faith, fruit of the Spirit, and patience. Patience, yes, not everything's going to work out like you thought it would. Not everything's going to work out in your timing, but it will in God's timing. So guess what you need? Patience. And here's the great news. You have that inside of you too. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So in verse four, he says, and then as, you in, as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing or nothing lacking. How about that? Come on, let's give the Lord a good round of applause. Here's number three of how joy works. Joy translates into strength. How's your strength? If I were to go joy equals strength, how's your strength? Well, you know, Pastor Phil, I'm always tired. And, you know, well, I can tell you this. You've allowed your joy. You allowed something to steal your joy. Because Nehemiah 8.10 says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is why the devil goes so hard against your joy. Because he wants your strength. He wants your strength. I don't know if you've ever read in the Old Testament, there was a man by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. For a Persian king, uh, he heard about Jerusalem's walls that they, were, they needed to be rebuilt. They had uh, been knocked down. And what happened was, is that Jerusalem, God's city, it lied in ruins. And uh, it laid in ruins. And so Nehemiah said, I, I feel like God wants me to go rebuild those walls. And so he went and he rebuilt those walls. And here's the reality. If he could rebuild the wall, he could rebuild the whole city. And so it was an incredible task. And let me just provide some perspective because Nehemiah built the wall. But I thought, man, this is interesting. What kind of wall was it? You know, like what, what kind of wall? But I did some research and historians say this, that the, the city walls actually averaged about eight, eight feet thick. It's not like the walls that we have today. The walls were eight feet thick and check this out, 40 feet high. Eight feet thick, 40 feet high for 2.5 miles. He built this wall. Eight feet wide, 40 feet tall. That means that Nehemiah, that he did 250 feet of wall was built each day. Let me break this down. Nearly a football field length, eight feet thick, 40 feet wide, uh, 40 feet tall was built every single day by regular people, no modern equipment, under the threat while they were building the whole thing. People were trying to get them to stop under the threat of attack. My church family, with all of the opposition, all of the work, Nehemiah Nehemiah built the, the wall in 52 days. 
52 days. And then when CNN interviewed him and they said, how did you build the wall? He said, the joy of the Lord was my strength. See, people who have joy accomplish more. Can we do better than a golf clap? Come on, let's do a soccer clap. Come on. Anyway. That's why the Bible says, serve the Lord with gladness. We're supposed to serve the, not because everything's going right, but because we're focused on him. 52 days, he built the wall. And I want to tell you, the enemy's going to come and try to steal your joy. And here's the last one for today. Is this good today? Here's how joy works. Number four, how do we access joy? Because joy has to be accessed. Joy is accessed by gratitude. I'm going to go just a little bit deeper. don't want to confuse anybody. But the word grace in the Greek is the word charis. Everybody say it with me. Say charis. The word for joy is kara. Kara. Everybody say that. Say kara. The word for thanksgiving is eucharisto. Charis is grace. Every time I recognize the grace of God, grace always produces thanksgiving. Thanksgiving always produces joy. This is how the devil steals your joy. By making you think, lying to you, that you are lacking in your life. Can I tell you today, you are not lacking in your life. You have so much to be grateful for today. If I were to ask you to make a list of 15 things that you could be grateful for, here's what would happen. You would make a list and you would smile at the end of the list because that list of gratitude would produce joy because you actually see what you do have. The devil steals our joy by trying to get us to be focused on what we don't have. And joy doesn't come from attaining. It comes from appreciating. I, listen, I don't care if you have things. The Bible's not even against you having things. The Bible's against when things have you. When you put your joy on a thing, I'm telling you, you are going to be misled. So joy is accessed by being grateful for what you have. Not wanting what you don't have, wanting what you already do have. How many of you this week never went without a meal? How many of you had food on the table every single week, every single day? Let me see your hand. Amen. How many of you had a shelter, a roof over your head every single day this week? Let, let, me, let me see your hand. How many of you have at least one person who loves you? Let, let, let me see your hand. I'm going to see if there's nobody, somebody not raising their hand because I will love you. So you can raise your hand this morning. Come on, let me see. How many of you have one person that loves you? Put your hand. How many of you today would say you have at least one true friend? Let, 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 me, see, let me see your hand. How, awesome, awesome. How many of you would say today that God, even in this last month, has provided all of your needs? Let me, let me see your hand. Look, hey, look around, look around. Keep your hands up. All of us. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot to be grateful for. And you know what? As I ask those questions and you are raising your hands in this atmosphere, it changed with joy because gratitude always accesses joy. I want to end with this story today. Paul and Silas, Paul was an apostle and uh, he was put in prison with Silas for doing good. You know, they were doing good. They were preaching and they got put in prison 
And here's the interesting thing. In that time, the prisons were literally in the lower part of the earth and it could have two or three levels. Sometimes because of where Paul and Silas were in the lower part of the prison, if there was a level on top of them, it had a hole where other prisoners would use the restroom. And so that would all fall from the level into where they were at. They were in the deep part of the prison. And so they were sitting there in filth chained to a wall and sitting there. How many of you think that would probably be a good idea to lose your joy right at that point? Right? But you know what happened? Paul and Silas didn't let their external world mess with their internal world. And see, what they did is they began to sing. Now watch. When you and I are in these moments like this, here's what we first do, I think. We start to think of all the things that we can't do. We're chained. Oh, I don't have freedom. Oh, I'm never going to get out of this. I may not even have a future. As long as you focus on what you can't do and what you don't have, you'll never access joy. Because what they did do is they began to say, okay, I may be chained and I may not be free externally, but internally, I am free spiritually. And so I am free. I know my hands are tied, but I can open up my mouth and begin to sing and praise God and rejoice in the Lord always. And they began to lift up a shout. I was counseling somebody the other day and they were going through some stuff. And I looked at him. I said, this is what you need to do. Are you ready? They said, what? I said, don't let the devil steal your song. Don't let the devil steal your voice. I know you can't do this. I know you can't do that. But here's what you can do. You can sing. You can lift up your voice. You can say a shout. You can say something good about God. That's what you can do. And you know what? Joy starts to be festered up. And Paul and Silas began to sing when they were chained in a bunch of poop. They began to sing. They began to sing. And as they begin to sing, God liked what they began to sing. And God began to tap his foot in the heavens. And as God began to tap his foot in the heavens, he's like, man, I like that jam. That's my jam. Come on, Paul and Silas. And as God began to tap, guess what? The prison started to shake. And as the prison started to shake, the external chains came off. And guess what? The internal world affected the external world. And the freedom that they had on the inside affected the freedom that they needed on the outside. And they began to press and sing and guess what and their chains fell off and the bible says that even the guard gave his life to jesus and the guard's family gave their life to jesus because paul and silas focused on what they could do that access joy that changed the situation and i'm telling you today you have joy in Jesus' name. Come on, can we stand and give the Lord a great round of applause? How about we just have some joy this morning? Come on, let's give him a great round of applause. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.